listening to First Church Charlotte. Today we're having in the house of the Lord. Next week, Pastor will be back. Pray for them this week as they travel. And Wednesday night, a good time in the Word of God as we study the Word together. Let's stand. It's time for some preaching. Amen. There's nothing quite like the Word of the Lord to bring hope into our lives and help. And with us today is a man that we are very familiar with and that we love and honor. Great pastor in Asheville, North Carolina. Would you welcome Pastor Brent Keating as he comes to deliver the Word of the Lord today. Take your liberty again. Man, it is so good to be here and good, good to see everybody in the house. The curtains have been lifted. The building is looking good and full for second service. Man, we had a great first service. But I feel like somebody's coming in for second service ready to love on Jesus a little bit. Are you? Not only that, I believe that somebody's ready for Jesus to love on you. Amen. I believe Jesus is going to do something really awesome and cool in this service uh, this morning. And I am so thrilled to be here. Every time I get a chance to come back to First Church, it's fun. I just told Bishop a while ago, it's good for me to change my scenery every now and then. And to be here with you guys, I love what's happening. Thank you, Nathan, for the worship this morning. I love it. It's rocking. You guys are moving and grooving. I love what's happening at First Church. God has been and doing some good things around here. Amen. I love the spirit I feel, love the energy I feel in the house. If you're a guest here today and uh, you want to make sure that you come back because I'm just the guy that's coming in to cover for the main man and uh, Nathan Ams is my friend. And he is one of the good guys. He is one of the great guys. And I'm so glad he's a part of my life and a friend in my world. And I am so thankful for the inspiration that he gives to me. I love his passion for church. love his passion for Jesus. And uh, it is awesome. Every time I come back, something's kind of new. New faces, new people. Something new's going on. New decoration, new screens. I like new. <laughs> I like change. That's fun. It's uh, it's good to see what Jesus is doing. Good to be with Bishop today and his beautiful wife. I love these people. Can we go to Razoo's today? <laughs> Man, I get some Razoo's. You got to get some good Cajun cooking when you come to Charlotte because they don't have that in Asheville. It's all the French cuisine or something like that, you know. You got to get down with some crawfish or something like that, you know. So you got to get some etouffee and get something going on. Am I right, Weber? All right. Man, I'm excited. Um, get your Bibles and turn with me. If you don't have your Bible, you can look on the screen. Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. I'm going to read verse 40 through 48. It says, So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. So he was, he was a, a high-fluting kind of guy. He was a well-known figure, but he had a desperate need in his life. So when you have a desperate need, it doesn't matter who you are and what you do in your life. You kind of lose all prestige when you need something from Jesus, right? And he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age. She was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. Now, there's a shift right now in the story because as he is on his way to Jairus' house, 
the next story within this story begins to happen. It says, now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any. So you just have to understand that this woman is in a very, very bad place in life. She's out of, she's out of resources. Her family is probably nowhere around. She can't get into the temple and worship. Things are not looking good for her. And it says that she came from behind and she touched the border of his garment. You'll find out in just a, re in just a few minutes why she went for the border. It was not accidental that she went for the border of his garment and immediately her flow of blood stopped and Jesus said watch this here's the question who touched me when all denied it Peter and those with him said master the multitude strong and press you and you say who touched me come on Jesus what's going on here but Jesus said somebody touched me for I perceived power going out from me. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and fell, falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, daughter. What an inclusive word. You're part of my family. I love you. You're tired, you're empty, you're lonely, you're afraid, but you're my daughter. And he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Jesus, I love you. I pray, God, that you would make an eternal difference in this place. Thank you, God, that you don't use me today because... I got it all figured out and I got it all together. Thank you that you use me today because I'm broken and I need you. And I ask that you would speak through me the word of life that somebody in this room today would walk out of here completely changed and touched and healed because they touched life. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Jesus asked a lot of questions in the Bible. I think there's 200 and something questions that Jesus asked. And he doesn't ask questions because he needs answers, right? Maybe you've heard the word omniscient. He knows everything. He don't need any more information. He's not clueless about anything. He asks questions because we need answers. And hopefully in... The process of him asking a question and us answering the question, somehow we do find the answer. Today, I hope that not only you find the answer, but I hope that you can be the one that you are the answer. So when the question is asked, who touched me? You out of the crowd can say, I did. I touched you. Against all odds, I touched you. Against everything that was pressing against me, I still pressed back and I made sure that I touched you. You see, the narrative of this story is told in such a way that you and I can understand that there is a difference between a person touching Jesus and being healed, and a crowd that is just pressing against him, physically touching him, but yet nothing transpiring and nothing happening in their lives. Because you see, many people on that day touched Jesus, but there was a difference in this single woman who pressed through the crowd and touched him, and virtue flowed from his spirit. 
Jesus, as you will find out in Scripture, loves crowds. He loves multitudes. He loves to bring them in. We see where he fed 5,000 people, and that was just men. So women and children, it was probably upwards of 20,000 people that he fed. And so he loves crowds. He wants to teach the crowds. He wants to be around the crowds. He wants to minister to the crowds. But his goal for people is not that they stay and remain in the crowd. There's a mission that Jesus has, and that mission is, is that you move from the crowd to the core. That you come out of a place where you are just fascinated with Jesus to the place where you meet Jesus personally. Because, you see, being in the crowd, it's possible to be around him and never experience him. So proximity is everything because I can remain on the outskirts and I can maybe even get close enough to catch a bird's eye view of Jesus but if there is something inside of me that's not pressing in just a little bit more then I'm going to miss something special from Jesus because that day it wasn't the crowd that caused Jesus to stop in his tracks and say virtue flowed out of my body it was one Desperate woman, sick, empty, emotionally, physically drained. She is the one that drew power from him. There's a lot of people that are fascinated with Jesus, and rightfully so. He heals sick bodies. He raises dead. Blind eyes are open. I mean, the things, I mean, money's coming out of fish's mouth. I mean, you know, it's like, if I hear that, I want to go too. I want to see who this is because he's fascinating. Things are being said. Things are being taught that people are, are is shaking up their world. And so there's a fascination with Jesus. But there's something different than being fascinated with Jesus And someone different that encounters Jesus. And it's okay to be fascinated with Jesus. That's what brings the crowds in. And uh, it's okay to be fascinated. As a matter of fact, as you go through scripture, all of your rock stars and all of your heroes and all of your people that were just great men of God who did great things, they started out being fascinated with Jesus. Abraham, for example, God was just coming to him and saying, listen, if you do this and you come out of here, I'll take you and I'll bless you beyond your wildest dreams. And Abraham's like, giddy up, let's go. Who wouldn't want that, right? But that's where the relationship with God stayed. Eventually, it got deeper and deeper and deeper until finally it got so deep that it was causing And needed a big sacrifice from Abraham's life to get out from the crowd and into the core. So it's okay to be fascinated with Jesus. It's just not okay to stay fascinated with Jesus without an encounter. Because ultimately, that's what he wants. And there are people that are in the crowd for all kinds of reasons. There's people in the crowd that just need Jesus to make their day better. You see, for a lot of people, Jesus is a distraction. He's someone and something that you go to to get your mind off of the chaos. And again, that's okay. There's no better place that I would say you need to be today. If things are stirred up in your world, if they're stirred up in your life, in your body, in your spirit, your finances, your relationships, if you're just having a difficult time today, get to church, man. Be here. Whatever it takes, get here. You know why? Because church is a chance. Church is an opportunity. 
So be fascinated with him. Come to figure out, investigate it, where it's at. Some of you are here this morning and you're like, I, I don't even understand why the, the worship leader was moving and grooving and doing something. And I don't understand why people were kind of, you know, moving and dancing and, 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 and waving their hands. But, but it's fascinating, right? It's interesting. But why are they doing that? See, Jesus sees beyond our fascinations. Because being around Jesus honestly makes me feel better. You know how it is, right? You've had a really, really bad week. You've had a tough week on the job. You've had some struggles and some friction in your life with some relationships. And you're just like, I, I, I got to go to church. Because being at church makes me feel better. And, and, and while I'm at church, that's, that's all I need is just to be there. But see, Jesus, and we want, you to, we want you to do that. But Jesus sees beyond just, I come to church because it makes me feel better. He sees beyond the fact that this is the way that I was raised. I didn't want to sound preachy and I didn't want to be that dad, you know. But the other day I just wanted to call Dallas. And Dallas is at Chapel Hill in Raleigh. And I just wanted to call him. And he goes to church. And I just wanted to call him and just say, hey, Dallas, whatever you do today, man, I want you to go to church for Jesus. I don't want you to go to church just because you were raised in this. I don't want you to go to church just because this is what you do on Sunday mornings. And, and you don't want to face dad calling you later and go, I slept in. You know, you don't want to do that. I don't want you to go to church for that. I didn't do all this. I just thought all this, right? Because I know how easy it is for my son to be raised in this and him and just go to church and, and be around church and be fascinated with it from that point of view. I wanted him to go because Jesus can be touched there. I want you to go for him. You know, I go to church because I feel less guilty because I, you know, I had some stuff going on in my life this week and I just need to be around people and hear the worship music and the vibe and all of that. You see, that's good. That's awesome. It's a great reason to start. But you can't stay there because that's not where Jesus wants you to stay. I got good friends at church. It's awesome. There's nothing like community. Got to have it. Got to have a tribe. But at the same time, he sees beyond, I go to church because that's where my friends are. Because here's the deal. Jesus doesn't want to just be a distraction in your life. He doesn't want to be a detour. He doesn't want to be a stop along the way. Jesus wants to be a destination. That's what he wants to be. Come here, Dewan. <clears throat> I got a glass of water, and I, I need this right now because I'm extremely thirsty. And Dewan's gonna—he's gonna play the guy that has my water right now. And I, I'm thirsty. I'm parched, and life has kind of got me messed up. And I've been dealing with some stuff in my head that's shaking me up. And I've been dealing with some stuff in my family and relationships that are shaking me up. And I just need something in my spirit. And, and I realize. You know, that Dewan has, has, has got something that I really could use to satisfy what's going on in my world. And so it, it, here's, here's what it looks like to use Jesus as a distraction. All right. So I come to Jesus and I just say, how you doing, Jesus? Good. Thank you. In other words, I come to Jesus, feel better, and then I leave. I come to Jesus, feel less guilty, and then I go. I come to Jesus, check it off my list because that's what I'm supposed to do. Just be at church on Sunday. And that's, that's, that's good. That's a good start. But there's a difference when he's just a distraction and a detour till he becomes a destination. And I realize... He's got the peace I need. Amen. He's got that, but it's different. He is the peace I need. Amen. He is the joy I need. He is the hope I need. He is the life I need. So 
the, the destination is different because I can come to Jesus and not only do I feel better and I find some strength and some hope and some courage and some life and, and, I, and I'm forgiven of my sins and I'm baptized and I, I'm resurrected I'm filled with the spirit and all the beautiful things that happen is being around church and experiencing God but when he's a destination it's not that I just feel better I'm able to now be with him and how, how you doing Hey man, I want to hang with you in the cool of the day because, you know what, it's, it gets rough. Yeah. Would you mind, like, coming home with me and, and uh, can we hang out on Monday morning? Yeah. Not just on Sunday, but can we hang out? You see, there's the difference between having just him as a figure in your life that you use to make you feel better and having him as a figure in your life that is salvation because God is not just interested in you feeling better. He's interested in saving you. He's interested in being in relationship with you. He wants to walk around. He wants to chill out with you. He wants to be there in the good times and the bad times. He wants some praise while you're going through the store. He wants you to be there when you're having that difficulty at work with that person that you want to kick and punch. He wants to be the one that you can turn around and you don't have to wait till Sunday and say, but I'm about to, I'm about to drop kick that people right now. If you don't help me, you know, you got to help me right now and you know, give me some strength and give me some hope and give me some life. You see, Jesus adds a completely different direction and a completely different perspective when you're with him and you're not just coming around and trying to find the healing, but the healer, not just trying to find the blessing but the blesser. You're not just trying to find uh, the person who gives you all the goodies, uh, but you're realizing that he is the good. He is the good in my life. That's the difference uh, between distraction and destination. Thank you. Give Dewan a hand. That dude does a good job preaching at our church. Usually when I'm here, huh? Out of this crowd comes one person. Out of this crowd comes this one individual. You see, over time, there was a, an amazing tradition that was born in Israel. And word began to get around and word began to spread to all the people that the Messiah was coming. And it was on the lips of everybody and it's talking about the Messiah's coming. And, and Malachi, in Malachi chapter 4 and 2, he spoke of the coming of this Messiah and he described him this way. Now, do you remember that woman with the issue of blood that when she came, she touched the hem of his garment in other words, that's what she was going for. It wasn't just Jesus is out of reach and she just barely got the hymn. That was what she was headed for. It's a reason for that. Because the word had already spoken and said, but to you who fear his name, the son of righteousness shall arise, watch this, with healing in his Wings. So the words on the on the on the tongues of people is that one day when the Messiah shows up, there's going to be healing in his wings, literally healing in his kanaf, the edge of his prayer garment and his prayer shawl. There's going to be healing in the edge of his prayer shawl. So it wasn't just a fascination. It was a fascination mixed with faith because she had a word. And she put all of her energy, her life, her effort, and her being into that word that said, this is no ordinary man. This is the son of the living God. And she put all of her energy and faith into him not just what he could bring her. Are, are, you, are, you, are you charting with me right now? Notice the difference. It wasn't just what he could give her. It was who he was. Yeah. 
this was him. And I'm going for him. And I'm going to touch the hem of his garment because I've got faith in the word. And he looks at her and says, thy faith hath made thee whole. What would happen in this room today if some of us or all of us got beyond a fascination with Jesus. Maybe you're here and you've been here for a while because of the fascination or the church does some cool things and it's got some really neat things going and that's the way it should be. But now it's time for you to move beyond a fascination into a place where you start taking a step towards not only a fascination, but salvation. I got something in my life that I can't fix by myself. I got something in my life that I cannot remedy, but I got to find somebody who can. And you know what? You know what? Church programs aren't going to do it. And ladies meetings aren't just going to do it. I appreciate them. I got to get to them. But the reality is I got to find Jesus because nobody can touch me like Jesus can. And I got to I got to touch him. 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 What would happen in this place this morning if somebody just took a small step towards him? Just a small step towards him. You don't even have to make the, the whole journey. I mean, you can it can happen. He can touch you right here. But what if you just took a step? I'm going to tell you, there's nobody that would be in your corner cheering you on more than Jesus. Uh, just taking a step towards Jesus. You see, this woman did not decide, I'm going to get to Jesus and her journey to Jesus was free of obstacles and free of challenges and free of things that were pressing back against her. Now, if you talk to me, I'm going to be straight up with you, all right? I would like to come to Jesus, get to him, get everything I need, walk with him in the cool of the day, and my journey to Jesus was completely free of anything that was an obstacle. In other words, I don't want anything pressing against me. I just want to go to Jesus and get to Jesus. But you know what? That isn't how it works. I mean, you know that, right? You don't get anything good that you don't have to kind of press back a little bit. That you don't have to move past some obstacles. And it's the same exact way with Jesus. Because why? Because we live in the flesh. And if there's anything the enemy doesn't want you to do is get to Jesus. And the moment that you decide, I'm going to take a step to Jesus, I'm just going to tell you, there is no progress that there is not a devil challenging you. You don't make progress without challenge. But there's going to be obstacles and she had to battle that day against all of the obstacles. And those obstacles were the crowd. That crowd was in her way. She didn't just stroll up to Jesus. No, the crowd thronged him. The crowd pressed against him. He, he couldn't even hardly move on his way to Jairus' house. I, I can just see him kind of taking his steps and, and Peter, you know, being the cool dude is like, you know, I'm with Jesus and, and he's like pushing the crowd aside like I'm with the rock star, you know, and you don't get back, you know, and, and all this, but he's just barely moving. It's a throng of people 
And this woman says, I'm getting to Jesus despite the obstacles that are between me and Jesus. I don't know if the same guys are in here, but I just need about five or six guys up here and Dewan come be Jesus again. All right, we're about to have a little mini movie. Y'all ready? All right. So I got Jesus over there, and I got my crowd. Y'all come on in. This is my crowd, and and there's all kind of obstacles in my crowd. I got pride. I got fear. I got greed. I got envy. I got doubt. I got all these things, and uh, I'm probably not going to call y'all out the same way you were, so be willing to be a different thing, okay, because I don't remember what you were, all right? So so you got all these obstacles, but I got Jesus over there, and he's my salvation, and I'm a little bit fascinated with him as well, but it's beyond the fascination now. I, I really want salvation. I want to find him because I got some needs driving me right now. I got some needs in my home. I got some needs in my head. I got some needs in my spirit. I, I don't know how to deal with these thoughts. I don't know how to deal with this thing happening. I, I can't work this marriage out by myself. Come on, somebody. Amen. I can't do it by myself. Isn't it hard to come to that conclusion? I can't do it by myself. That's okay. Because it was never called salvation because you could do it. It was called salvation because you couldn't do it. So I got to get... I got to get to Jesus over there, but I got some obstacles uh, in my path that are wanting to mess with me, and they're not going to just let me come in and just go to Jesus. That's not going to happen. The crowd's there. That's my crowd. I got all kinds of things, and I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm just going to just read you a little something because I I woke up the other day, and I felt like God began to talk to me, and I just sat there, and I began to, to write some things down. And I called it Now and Then. And I'm just going to read it to you, so it's just like my blog. There's nothing wrong with anticipating a then. Over there, Jesus, you're my then. You're my salvation. You're my hope. You're my peace. Everyone expects and hopes for a better future, right? Everybody in here. You would like... How many, just show of hands, you'd like things to be a little bit better in some area in your life? Just, that's all of us, right? So I, I would like a then. It's a hope thing. A vision is what drives us to reach our dreams. However, it becomes critical that we don't try and pull a then into our now without doing the necessary work that makes a desired outcome possible. Y'all know the reason why I don't play the piano? You want to know? I remember sitting down at the piano and just thinking, man, I wish I could just go at this thing. But there was a problem. There was a basketball court. And I went and played basketball instead of practice. So I wasn't able to get to my then... Because I didn't want to do what was necessary now. Right? And it's sad because my son, I don't play the piano, and my son's beating me at basketball. (laughs) That's injustice right there. All right? So, if I'm not willing to go through what it takes... Here's my desire. Here's what I really want to do. I'd really like to go. Let's hang out. Yeah. But that's not possible. You know why? Even for Jesus, it wasn't possible because there is no resurrection without a crucifixion. I mean, it would have been nice. He even said, let this cup pass from me. And God's like, all right, 
Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. So we're going to go through. Right? And so the enemy loves to capitalize, watch this, on our then visions, my hopes, the things I want to happen in my life. And use whatever means necessary to rush us past doing whatever is necessary now to get to our then. He loves to get you messed up in your now because he don't want you to go through the necessary effort to get to your then. Fear comes along. Anybody ever battled fear? My God, it's been my Achilles heel. I have battled that sorry sucker so much. <laughs> Come on, anybody? Fear. Fear tells us that we need to push past the trust and into the calm. Jesus. But I... I can't really get to him, Nathan, without and get to the real deal without going through my crowd. So fear tells us we need to push past the trust and into the calm, thus the abuse of substances. In other words, I need calm now. Right. Now. Now. And I don't have time for this. So give me something to help me now. Doubt. Anybody? Doubt tells us we need to rush past the faith and into the certainty and into the conclusion. And so instead of really investigating and studying and asking, seeking, and just come to some quick conclusion, because we need that conclusion, thus the lies we hold as truths. Lust. Anybody? It's quieter on that one. You're like, <laughs> I ain't saying nothing. <laughs> Lust tells us we need to rush past obedience to reap satisfaction, right? Thus, the shame that we feel and so many other different things. Pride. Pride tells us we need to rush past humility to acquire acknowledgement. Notice me. Notice me now. Thus, the mistreatment of others. So I'm willing to mistreat others to be acknowledged because I want my then now without going through y'all. Greed tells us that we need to rush past character to get to the reward. And that's why we cheat people. Envy tells us that we need to look past our gifts and blessings at the gifts and blessings of others. That's the shame in our own selves. And James comes along and he tells us, you know what, guys? If you're going to be a hearer of the word, you got to be a doer of the word. So, so here's, here's the reality. You heard the word, lady, way back here in Malachi, that there was healing in his wings. There's healing in the wings. You got your word now, all right? But now, if you're going to get your word, you're going to have to get through your crowd. Oh, my God. If you're going to get your then... You're going to have to hold the word now in your life and you're going to have to start pressing against some of these things against you. It comes in because it's not going to be easy to get to my then. And here's the the temptation, all right? Here's the temptation. Who was fear? Was you fear? He is now. You fear now? He is now? (laughs) You're closest to the crowd, so you are fear now. All right, so I, I, I come in and I got this fear thing working and I need deliverance from and from fear, right? Anybody in the house? I'd love to see the enemy just back off uh, and somebody squish him today and the spirit of fear be eliminated in your life and in your mind and in your spirit. Are you ready? Here's my temptation. I am battling fear so I don't want fear. I need 
salvation. I need somebody to help me. David said, I asked the Lord and he delivered from all of my fears. But you know what? If I'm going to get to Jesus, here's, the, here's, here's how it can go down. I start walking to him, but fear and all this stuff comes up against me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey, hey guys, mm-hmm. back off. I mean, I'm going to Jesus. You know what I'm saying? I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, it's, that's a pretty noble thing to get to Jesus. Would y'all just leave me alone? Jesus, would you come, you know, would you help me here with, with all these stuff? But I'm asking Jesus to help me while I'm looking at all these guys. And then fear gets my attention the most, and I kind of bow up on fear. Oh. <laughs> what you 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 messing with me for? Why are you why are you messing around with me? And, and thoughts start running through your head, and you start talking to fear, and you start dialoguing with untruths and dialoguing with things, and and fear is just back there going, uh huh, get it on, and we're getting it on. He's putting all kind of stuff in your head, uh, and you're just thinking, I don't know it, and you know, and all of a sudden. You start looking at fear and battling against fear. But what happens if I'm battling fear? I'm not looking at Jesus. And I'll battle fear so long. And I'm like, oh. And then finally, I'll use Jesus as a distraction. And I'll go over here. I get to Jesus and I get my water bottle. And I'm going, oh, okay. I feel better. Went to church. That ain't what he wants. He wants a destination. And so finally, if I'm going to get to my then, I got to get through my now. And these guys are going to focus and they're going to come against me. Do I have anybody in the house that knows what I'm talking about? Can I ask you a question? Who's in your crowd? Who's in your crowd? What's the struggles? What's the stuff in your crowd pressing against you and your life? Pressing. Everybody's got a crowd. Everybody's got some obstacles. Everybody's got something coming against you. I don't care. He's the preacher. He's just sore and free. No, I beg to pardon with you. I got my crowd. You got your crowd. But there's only one way I can get from now to then. To get beyond just a fascination. How you doing, Jesus? Doing all right? Will you throw a miracle over the crowd to me? I'm ready. Come on. I need a little something, but you just just chunk it over. Because I don't want to mess with this right here. We just kind of rock on through life. But you know what? Jesus gives you strength. How? Because when I come and this mess starts coming against me and the stuff starts coming against me, I don't have time to center in on you or you or you. Oh, I feel them. They're pressing against me. But the only thing that's giving me my strength is when I do not turn and look at them. All right. All right. My God. There's a scripture in Jeremiah gave to, Jesus gave to me one time. It was awesome. And I can't remember exactly where it's at. I should know. But it just basically says this. They may turn to you, but you must not turn to them. They're not going to stop turning to you. They're like, hey, well, I'm over here. But here's my deal. I'm strength. I find strength. And when I go through, and I'm just like, Jesus, they're pressing me. They're coming against me. And I want so bad. Everything in my flesh wants so bad to look at fear. And I, but, and it's somehow looking at Jesus that he parts the waters of all my obstacles. And I eventually get to the hem of his garment. I eventually get to Jesus. I get to Jesus, and oh, I found peace. But I found not just this little trinket. It's not just this this machine that I put something in, and it gives me something I go. I discovered that he was the miracle. He was what I was going for. He is all I 
preaching Jesus if all that really matters touching Jesus is all that really matters and it's pressing on you right now and there's all kind of struggles in this house and there's all kind of things that you could brand as whatever in your crowd and, and some are, are a little bit smaller and, and some are a little bit bulkier you know and some got this and some got that and they're all coming at you from all kinds of different directions uh, and they got different tactics uh, and they're playing their game just right to get your attention uh, but somehow or another uh, there is a God on the other side of your crowd that's waiting on you to touch his garment. I wonder when she's going to touch it. I wonder. Here she comes. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. He saw her coming. He's God. He knows all things. He saw her coming. He was faced this way, but he saw her coming. And he's just going, come on, baby. Come on, daughter. Come on. Come on, we're going to Terry's house. Here she comes. Oh, she just pressed past that, that guy right there. Uh-huh. Yeah. That lady right there asked her, what are you doing on the ground crawling and scraping and acting the fool? What are you doing? Why are you trying? What are you doing, man? We're all here to see Jesus. Stand up and be a part of the crowd. I can't be a part of the crowd. I've been fascinated with him for a long time, but I'm going to the core. And she just kept going, and she just kept going, and she just kept going. Uh, and here she comes. Uh, oh, here she comes. <laughs> I couldn't help it. You know what I'm saying? It's just there. So I had to use it. Here she comes. She's coming. And then all of a sudden, he's like, there she is. She pressed past the last thing. Boom. Who touched me? Who touched me? just felt virtue flow out of my body. I don't know how long it's going to take you to get past your crowd. I don't know. It may not all happen this morning. You know what? But I'm believing somebody can start taking a step. Just one step. One step towards Jesus. I don't have this thing all figured out in church. I don't even know what's going on. But I'm going to just start taking a little step. I'm just going to start asking Jesus. God, I can't figure these people out. I don't know why they're raising their hands. I don't know why they're excited. I don't know why the preacher's up there hollering. I don't know what's going on, but I, I, I'm interested. I'm fascinated. Just hang around and take one step at a time. One step at a time. Because eventually, you're going to get to Jesus. And when you do, healing is going to come into your mind. Healing into your spirit. Healing into your body. Healing into your relationships. Who touched me? I did. I did, Jesus. It was me. It was me. I touched you. I touched you. Somebody stand all over the crowd with me right now. Somebody stand in this house. Somebody stand. Come on, there's needs represented all in this place. And the crowd's coming against you. The crowd's fighting against you. Right now, you feel it. You feel it coming in your spirit. In spiritual warfare. With understanding and discernment. Because we all have things try to rise up block our progress and if you come up an enemy, with an enemy that keeps getting in your way you're going to find a way to Someone putting you down as a young person just to slam dunk you. 
people, every time they got a chance that you started believing some of that. The lies of the devil say, you can't do it. You can't do anything about that. There's no hope there. One of the great keys we can learn in spiritual warfare, Brother Keating hit upon it today, and that is recognizing when the enemy is talking to you. If it's, say, how do you do that? Well, what are they saying? What's the voice saying? Is it against the Word of God? Is it against my faith in God? Is it against the things I know about God? That He loves everybody, which means me too. Many here have the great privilege of growing up in church. In Sunday school, five years old, we were singing, Jesus loves me, this I know. Pumping into us. And so... We don't battle what someone else battles. But if you don't know that little chorus, you need to get someone to teach it to you this week. Because the devil, he'll try to get you. Hey, God's a long way from here. He don't give a care about what's going on in your life. That's the biggest lie of all. He does love you. He knows your middle name. He knows your social security number. He'll keep it a secret. hair on our head is numbered. Thank you, Brother Keating, for ministering to us and helping us. Hallelujah. Let him know you appreciate his ministry today if you get a chance. God bless you. Back to the front line, brothers and sisters. Let's go. We got the victory in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to support our efforts, text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.